Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media Today we're at jump Oaks into Church, the Texas. third part of defining moments. We're walking through the life of Jesus. We're walking through different specific instances that happened in his life. We talked about his baptism, which was a picture of obedience that opened heaven for Jesus. Last week, We talked about his first miracle, turning water into wine, which was an act of submission to his mother. We talked about how submission in your life is something that unlocks the supernatural. And today we're going to talk about an incredible event that happened in his life. But before I mention what that event is, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever been starstruck before? Have you ever maybe seen a celebrity or been around someone or, or, and it just kind of took your, your breath away? Uh, Anybody? couple people. The first time I was starstruck, I was in Hawaii. We were on vacation and Jennifer was taking a nap and I went to have lunch in this restaurant and sitting at the table next to me was Paula Abdul. And she looked at me and she was with that big six foot four, whatever, the the heir of the, you know, Colt revolver, you know, empire. And she was dissatisfied with him. Uh, She looked at me and she smiled and I was like, straight up now, tell me, do you really want to love me forever? I'm just, <laughs> some of you know, or am I caught in a hit and run? Come on, I was like, I mean, I was like, Paula Abdul, they were, I didn't have a phone to take pictures. I, didn't, and I, I tried to play it cool or whatever, but I was a little starstruck there. 10th grade, I had the biggest crush on Paula Abdul, I guarantee it. But that was mild. I, honestly, that was mild. I, I, uh, a number of years ago, I went uh, to the U2 uh, tour, the concert tour. It was the 360 tour. And for me, U2 is my band. I mean, I, I don't know how you grew up musically, but I grew up, it was illegal in my household to listen to anything but Christian rock and roll music. So it was Twyla Paris and Sandy Patty, and, and, you know, DeGarmo and Key, and Mylon Lefevre. And some of you, you don't know what I'm talking about. You're lucky you don't know. I'm just joking. But I mean, it was like this wannabe rock and roll music, Petra and Striper and, you know, uh, the Steve Taylor band. Some of you know these bands that I'm talking about, right? And I mean, they were really, they were good, but they weren't the same. And I remember my first pirated mixtape that I got, that I hid under my bed, because my, my mom doesn't, mom, now you're going to know, she's going to watch this, see this online or something, but my first pirated, and it was the U2 Joshua Tree album that I had pirated on a tape cassette, right, and I would listen to it on my Walkman with the big puffy ear thingies, right, and the sound quality was horrible, but I would lay there, and I would listen to U2, and it was literally the, the formative music for me as a just as a teenager or whatever, I love that band. And I had the opportunity to go, and Brandon was there, but uh, I was with a couple other guys. Brandon was probably 21 at the time, and, and these other guys, we, we, ditched, we ditched Brandon and a couple of people, and we worked our way down in 
got onto the floor somehow just people just said yes and we got onto the floor and next thing you know we're instead of being in the nosebleeds we're on the floor just feet away from the stage and the stage is this big ufo looking it was the 360 tour and it literally revolved and the stage moved with these big spider legs that would come out and the edge and larry and adam and bono were walking on these big you know stage things that would come out over the stage and at one moment i was standing there and and Bono walked right above me. And I, I'm talking, it was like, almost like Jesus in that moment. That's how much, wasn't, but almost, but I mean, it was so, I was absolutely for the first time in my life, I mean, literally almost breathless because of how much this person had impacted my life as a young teenager or whatever, just watching his career. But what was credible that night is that he actually led, there was 100,000 people in, in uh, Cowboy Stadium. It was the very, one of the first events they did in Cowboy Stadium. And he led Amazing Grace in Cowboy Stadium, and I watched 100,000 people worship. Now, half of them were lit, but I watched 100,000 people worship to Amazing Grace, and I was like, this guy is the greatest worship leader of all time. It was an incredible moment, but and I was absolutely starstruck in that moment. I don't know if you've had an experience like that. We've, we've all been around people that just had this presence, uh, and, and there, was, there was almost like a glow about them or something about them that, that caused us to pause or that, or that you know, made us stand still. I mean, obviously, the first time I saw Jennifer, it, I, I took my breath away, just her sheer beauty. <laughs> Look at her shaking her head. Uh, there was a moment like that. There was a moment like that. But, but today I want to talk to you about the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. It's a, an amazing, miraculous phenomenon that happened. It's recorded in three of the Gospels. And it's a moment where Jesus literally was transfigured and he was transformed into his glorified state. It's the state that we see described in the book of Revelation, his glorified body that he is existing in now. He actually was transfigured for a moment in time and three of his disciples were able to see it. And there's a beautiful story and a beautiful picture that's connected. So if you'll go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 17, I'll read this event. It says here in verse one, now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out over the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them saying, tell the vision to no one until the son of man is risen from the dead. Now they came down the mountain and I'm going to read this next part of the story because it has a specific significance that I'm going to share with you in just a few moments. They came down the mountain this is verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to them kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and into water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. 
Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus, watch this, they brought a child with epilepsy, and watch what Jesus does. And Jesus rebuked the demon. We medicate things. Jesus rebukes demons. Let that sink in for a second. Because there's an authority that we're supposed to walk in and that we will walk in. And it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. This is a beautiful picture in scripture. This is an amazing story with tons of different layers and tons of different details. And I could go a lot of directions with this. But the number one thing that I want you to understand first and foremost is that God wants to reveal his glory to you. God wants to reveal his glory to you. The word glory, it means to be radiant. It means splendor, majesty. It's connected to the word glow. That's why Jesus' face was glowing with bright white and his hair was shining. His whole clothes were full of splendor. God loves to reveal himself to his children. He's not hiding from you. He's not hard to find. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to be near you. And this is a beautiful picture. I don't know... I mean, and, and interestingly enough, only three of the disciples got to go. There were only three on the inner circle. The other nine were down in the village handling business, doing whatever they were doing. But Jesus took these three up with him. And what's uh, funny to me is the different accounts have three different things that they say. They're all the same story, but they give a little bit of a different angle. Luke said that they go up to pray and Peter, James, and John fall asleep. It's prayer time. So it ain't like they're getting picked to go up there because they're so much holier than the rest. They're sleeping through the prayer hour, right? And they wake up and see Jesus transfigured like this. Uh, Mark says that, that Peter was so starstruck that he didn't know what to say. And so he goes, hey, hey Jesus, uh, how, how, how about we make three little ho houses up here and we just stay here. We just live up here on the mountain. How's that sound? We just one house for you and one for Mo and one for Eli and we'll just all live up here. And sometimes when you get starstruck, you get nervous and you try not to say the wrong thing and then you just say the wrong thing anyway and put your foot, anybody? else with me right but here's this picture of these 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 three disciples and they didn't necessarily do anything else to earn this they were just trusted by him because of the intimate level of relationship that they had with Jesus so Jesus let them in on something now here's something that's that's I don't know just who knows what what did Jesus's prayer life look like the disciples didn't see it a whole lot because they had a pattern of falling asleep when they're supposed to be praying they fell asleep this night they fell asleep at the garden of Gethsemane there's all times of times and Jesus would just dis disappear and go be alone with the father and he'd be alone in the mountain all night and come back and he would be full of the glory of God and he would be so powerful in his in his speech and his teaching and his actions we don't know how many times Jesus may have had similar experiences and encounters with people that came from heaven, right? You understand Moses had been dead for many years. Elijah had been dead for many. Actually, Elijah didn't die. Elijah was captured and, and literally raptured up into heaven. 
And these two people are a picture. Uh, Elijah is a picture of John the Baptist, and Moses is a picture or a type of Jesus himself. So this is a beautiful experience, but the idea behind it is that Jesus wanted to allow his disciples, those that were close to him, to see his glory and to reveal himself to them. God wants to reveal himself to you. But what's even better is that God doesn't just want you to see his glory. God wants to give you his glory. God wants to release his glory upon you. In fact, scripture says that God has already glorified you. You understand that? He's glorified you. He's given you something of himself, the essence of himself. And this is what it says in Romans chapter 8, 30. It says, moreover, whom he has predestined. Is there anybody here that was predestined by God to be in his family? Anybody? That's all of us. That should be all of us. We're all predestined. God handpicked us to be in his family. And these that he has called, and these he's also justified. And whom he's justified, he's also glorified. God has already put his glory upon you and put his glory inside of you. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18 says that he has revealed his glory to you and he's moving you from levels of glory, from glory to glory to glory to glory. He wants to release in you new levels of knowing him, new levels of, of him being revealed to you and you walking and the reality and the identity of who he is. He he has glorified you. Now watch this. This is 2 Corinthians 4. It says uh, in verse 6, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Watch, now this is you. But we have his treasure in earthen vessels, or another passage says, in jars of clay. You are described as a jar of clay, an earthen vessel, something that's fragile, something that's cracked, flawed, breakable. But he's hidden his glory inside of you. Uh, in earthen vessels, that the excellence of his power may be uh, may be of God and not of us. Watch, we're hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. This is an incredible picture of what Jesus has intended for us to walk in, that he wants to release and deposit his glory. In fact, he already has deposited into the fabric of who we are, the fabric of what we're made of, the essence of the material he made you to radiate his glory. And I'll use this word, he made you to glow. He made you to glow. He made you to have this glow about you. I, I don't know how old uh, you are, but, but in the 80s, they came out with these toys that would glow. Did anybody have the, the Skeletor, the ghost of Skeletor toy? Remember that? Izzy had that, Tony? And it was this, you guys remember He-Man? Come on, He-Man? And, and it was made out of this material, and it was kind of like a weird, pearly-looking white. And, and, and if you took it out in the light and then took it into the dark. They made weebles that glowed like that. Some of you guys remember the weebles, right? They made, remember the alien from the movie Aliens? And he, he was creepy. He glowed. They made all these toys that glowed. But it wasn't about 
the toy itself that could glow. It was the material that the toy was made out of. And you would take the material, this toy, and you would put it close to the light. And the brighter the light and the closer it was to the light, the more that it would absorb the energy from the light. And then you would run real quick and you would take it into the dark and you could see your toy glow. Do you guys remember this? Okay. Because this is, this is a big deal, man. Glow toys, for real, man. And, and, and here's the principle. The material to glow was always there. But the glow didn't come out until it was in the presence of the light. Okay? Now here's the next point. It didn't matter if it was glowing or not until it was put in the presence of darkness. See, you were made to glow. And the way you'll activate that glory of God in your life is by positioning yourself with him in proximity to him so that his energy and his light, the light of the world. Come on, he made you to be the light of the world. He made you to be a city on a hill. He made you to be a beacon so that people can look and see you and find a pathway that they can become who they're designed to become. But you've got to learn how to be in his presence so that you can get that reflection upon yourself. And then you have to recognize that just like Jesus, he went down from the state of radiating and being in that place where he was glowing. And he walked right into a, a, a specific instance of darkness because the glowing is made for the darkness. See, and the problem for a lot of people or believers is we want to stay in these cute little sweet little Jesus spaces we want to have these little Jesus safe spaces as opposed to going out into the world, being in the darkness, in the midst of the darkness where you were made to glow. See, there's no light in you. You're just a glow toy. You're just made of a fabric, a material that, ha that has a reaction to the light. Similar to the moon. The moon doesn't radiate light on its own. It has no glow of its own. It reflects the sun. But we've all seen the moon in the daytime, and the moon's there, right? It's not like the moon like actually goes to bed, like the fairy tales. The moon's still there, and the sun is still hitting the moon. But you don't see the moon until the darkness comes, and you were made to glow. So the question is, do you glow? Are you glowing? Are you positioning yourself with Christ to where you can absorb the energy of the presence of God in your life and then recognizing that you're supposed to walk out into dark places in your life, dark places in relationships you were made. Come on, the Bible says a brother is born for adversity. When someone texts me or calls me and says, Joel, pray for me, man. I'm going through it. That's, I was born for that moment. Don't ever apologize for coming to one of our leaders or one of our elders or one of our uh, small group leaders and, and apologize for coming to them when you're in the midst. That's what we're born for, guys. We're born for adversity. We're born for, for fighting the darkness. We're born for pushing back the boundaries. We were made, Jesus said, for this reason I have come to destroy the works of the devil. That's what we're born for. Have you ever seen someone and just known they were a Christian because they just glowed? We were on vacation. We were in Cabo um, about 15 years ago. I don't know, a long time ago. And I was sitting out by the pool, just chilling out. And someone comes up and says, hey, are you a pastor? I'm like, what the heck? Do I got a sign on? I'm on vacation. Not today, right? <laughs> I'm on vacation. <laughs> But it's just the weird, this weird thing. 
It's happened to me a couple times. We used to take these missions trips down to uh, Costa Rica with the, with the kids, and we would, uh, we would go to Nicaragua, and then we'd go to Costa Rica and, and spend a couple days on the beach, and, and I would surf. I love surfing, and we would have a good time out there surfing, and we're there, and literally, I haven't even been there for 20 minutes, and one of the local surfers comes running up to me. He says, hey, are you the pastor? I'm like, uh, yeah. He goes, come with me. My friend needs to get saved. I'm like, Okay. I'm trying to lay out. I'm trying to get some sun. I just got oiled up and stuff, right? And now I'm greasy and going to pray for folks. And, and, uh, and so we literally go back to this little surf hut. And we come in there, and it's all, I mean, these are some of the guys that I've seen, because I've been to the same place for a number of years. And, and so these are some of the guys that I've seen. These are like the studs of the beach. I mean, they're all the, the beach. They're the surf instructors. All of them just ripped, shredded, muscled up dudes. And they're all in this little hut. And this one surfer, his name was Paolo, this one surfer had instigated the whole thing. I don't know how he found out who I was, how he found out what I was. He, he literally says, my friend needs Jesus. Come with me. And within 10 minutes, I'm leading about 10 different like surfers, like highly, high level surfers, the toughest dudes on the beach. I'm leading them all, not just in salvation, but they're standing there with their hands in the air, receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit right there on the beach, right? And then I look down, I open my eyes, and they're one of them, their little two little two-year-old little son, he's butt naked, just standing right there on the beach, just got his hands out. I mean, it was the craziest thing. All because apparently I had a glow that day, right? And that's what we're called to do, guys. You don't have, I, I am far from perfect. I am the least perfect pastor you'll ever meet. But when you spend time in the presence of God, and I'm telling you guys, I mess up all the time. If I go a whole day and don't have to apologize for something, it's like miraculous. I'm like, what day is it? Did I skip a day? You know, I mean, I, I really, I have things that I have to work on and deal with because I'm a human. But my number one thing is I always, every day, I go back and get in the presence of God. And it doesn't matter how good a day or how bad a day, I have a habit in my life of going into the presence of God and I come out glowing. And you can do that. And so many of you do that. But it's important that you understand that this picture, this picture that we see of Jesus leaving, leaving the Mount of Transfiguration and walking right down into a disgusting, demonic situation where he's got nine of his homeboys down there and they're frustrated and, and people are upset and they've got bad customer service ratings and they're getting bad reviews on Yelp because they're not able to take care of this kid who's got epilepsy and the dad's like, we brought him to your boys and they couldn't do it. What's the deal, Jesus? And Jesus is like, how long must I be with you, right? I mean, I love seeing the humanity of Jesus. He gets frustrated. His disciples ticked him off so many times. Why do you have such little faith? How long do I have to be with you? Crying out loud, will you ever get this so I can go back home, right? And so he says, that, he says look, there's nothing impossible if you believe. And the translation that Mark uh, wrote, the, the father says, I believe, will you help me with my unbelief? See, there are people, this is big, there are people that your glow, your time in the presence of God, your faith is what purchases their miracle. It's not about their faith. It's not about what they, sometimes you're going to be dealing with people that don't have the faith to make it through what they're going through. And it's your faith because you've been in the presence and you've got the glow and you'll release your faith to them and share faith with them to get through the trial that they're going through in their family, in their marriage, with their kids, with their finances. You were born for adversity. You were made to shine, but you can't be afraid of going into the dark. 
You can't be afraid of the conflicts. You can't be afraid of, of, of praying with someone, oh, well, they're sick. Well, what if I pray for them and they don't get healed? Well, nothing's going to happen if you don't pray. You might as well swing for the fences. You might actually hit the ball, right? I mean, we've got to be willing to step into those situations. And for crying out loud, let's not be people that say, hey, I'll be praying for you. Let's be people that say, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. Come, let's agree right now. I have faith. This is something to say. I have faith that our God can fix this situation. I have faith. See, people need to feed off of your faith. And it's why you got to build yourself up in your most holy faith. James, the brother of Jesus said, by praying in the Holy Spirit. We need to be people that are praying and praying and we're in the presence of God and we're getting this glow about ourselves so that when we go out of the presence of God, and we intentionally go into dark places. Come on, guys. I intentionally go into dark places. I don't have to have an outside business, but I love to have an outside business where I'm going into businesses because it puts me in position in businesses where I can glow really bright because I'm in a business and none of them would come to a church. And if you heard the language that I get to hear in some of these businesses, you would be shocked or maybe you wouldn't. But it's an amazing thing to be in a dark place and to glow. Yes. And to glow. And you can do that. You were born for it. You were made for it. See, it says in this passage I just read to you about being vessels of clay or earthen vessels. It says that we are pressed hard on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed. We're frustrated, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted. We go through trials but he has not forsaken us. We may get struck down, knocked down, but we're not destroyed because we carry around in our body the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrected Christ lives inside of you. So what do you got to do to be able to glow the way you need to? You need to set yourself in a position for perpetual exposure to the light of Jesus Christ. See, I have some really beautiful stories that I just want to share with you. How am I doing on time? I'm good. I can do this. I can do this. Um, a number of months ago, uh, Tiffany was leading a worship um, set and they, a rehearsal, and they were in stage. They were backstage, and they were all as a worship team praying. You remember this? And, and a number of the people that were on the worship team were praying in the Holy Spirit. They were praying in their spirit language. That the gift that God had given them to pray supernatural prayers. It's a beautiful thing. If you've never experienced it, don't close your heart off to it or don't close your, your, your mind off to it because it's a beautiful gift that still exists. Uh, but this person, one of the people there had never experienced it before. But she was classically trained in uh, music and, and knew a lot of the romantic uh, languages that she was classically trained in. And while this person who didn't have any experience with the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues or the, or the gift of praying in the Holy Spirit, she was listening to these people pray. And she came to Tiffany afterwards and said, do all of your people, is this part of your worship culture that all of your people are trained in, in, in classical um, languages uh, for, for music? Do they all know these romantic languages? And Timmy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. They were just praying in their, their prayer language. And she said, no, 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 I understood them. 
I understood them. They were praying in the languages that I have. Come on, this happened in McKinney, Texas, y'all. They were praying in the languages that I was trained in for music. They were praying in these. I understood what they were saying. Come on, guys, I'm talking about glowing. I'm talking about radiating the presence of God. When something like that happens and people witness and experience something miraculous, it's powerful. We had a young family in the church, uh, Cassie and Alex, and they have a, she's pregnant right now. And the baby, they had found a, a cyst on the baby's brain. The baby's brain was about as big as, as maybe the palm of your hand, and the cyst was as big as a quarter. So it was a large cyst. And the doctor said, you know what? Um, there's not a lot we can do. We're, we'll try a couple things, but it, it's possible that the cyst could go away on its own. But if it does, it'll be months and months from now. So we'll just, next time you're in, we'll check and we'll see again. But, it, but don't expect any change because this is going to take months to happen. And so Cassie prayed and Alex prayed and they came and met with some of our leaders in the church and they all prayed together for this baby to be healed and for this cyst to go away. And the very next doctor visit, they go back and there was no cyst. This just happened. No cyst. Okay. Miraculous things happen when we spend time in the presence of God, when we create a perpetual exposure to the presence of God, and we recognize that we're born for adversity. We were made for the darkness. You understand that? You were made for the darkness. You're made to shine. That's what you're called to do. That's who you're called to be. So a couple things, a couple practical steps before we close, and I'm going to pray for you, is number one, you've got to prioritize time in your day to soak in God's presence. How do you do that, Joel? Number one, put it on your calendar like it's an appointment. If, if you're like, well, I mean, I, get, I don't have time in the morning, get up earlier. Create, create an actual time. Well, what do I do if someone says, do you, can I, do you have any free time for this? Tell them you already have an appointment. I'm already booked from eight to nine. Well, who's it with? It's a personal commitment. It's, not your, it's, it's none of your business. Or you can tell them I'm hanging out with Jesus, whatever you want to say. I don't know, but just book it on your calendar. Make it intentional. Number two, I, I mean, because some, some of you, you're brand new at this. Get, get some worship music. Get some worship music. Down, either go on YouTube or go on to Apple Music and listen to Bethel music or Hillsong music or what there's so Elevation Church. There's so many great worship albums and create an atmosphere where there's worship there and just begin to pray and begin to get your Bible open and, and read, uh, read from the scriptures. Read the words of Jesus and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. Spend time in the presence of God and just soak in his presence. One of the number one things, I'm going to give you the two, number, the two biggest things that I do personally. Number one, I pray in the Holy Spirit. I create an atmosphere and I pray in the spiritual prayer language that the Holy Spirit has given me. It's incredible. And at some point we're going to teach on that and you're going to have an opportunity to receive that. Uh, but you, you know what? You can receive it anytime. If you want, if you're curious about that, just come find one of our leaders. We'll pray with you and you can receive the Holy Spirit just like that. It's so easy and God wants you to walk in his power. Amen. Number two, I'm a journaler. I have a journal and I write in my journal, I write my prayers to God. And it literally is like therapy for me. It's like a therapy session. Um, I'm laid back on the couch and I'm writing my journal and I'm writing my feelings, my emotions, my, my experiences, my concerns, what I'm fighting through, what I'm battling through. And I ask God to speak to me. And then I wait and I just soak in his presence until I begin to hear something inside of my heart. And I start writing down what I believe what he's saying to me. And it's been one of the most 
incredible disciplines of my life that has steered me on the path that I'm on right now, that God has given me the vision for this church. He gave it to me in my journal, the name, the future, where it's going, what it's doing, every part of it, every, every major decision that I make in my life, it's inside of my journal and a part of the conversation that I have had with God where I'm in his presence soaking. I'm creating perpetual exposure to him so that I soak up his light so that I can go out and glow. You can do that too. And I know many of you do that. And honestly, a lot of you may glow brighter than I do. So it's not about, anything. we're all equals in God's eyes. And it's, it, it's up to each and every one of us to just position ourselves in his presence with him so that we can soak in his presence so that we can glow. Secondly, look for times and opportunities to glow. Don't be afraid of the dark. Man, when we were kids and we, we had that toy that would glow, as soon as we had it in the light enough, we would run for the darkness, right? We would race for the darkness. Some of us need to get a little bit more aggressive. And not, I don't mean aggressive in, in, in a negative connotation, but aggressive as, as far as in looking for opportunities to be light. Just aware of it. We see people around us. We see them at work, at school, uh, wherever we are, having a bad day, having a bad moment. Are you okay? Can I pray with you? You'd be shocked how many people will say yes. I had a meeting with a business person this last week. Uh, we talked for about two and a half hours in a coffee shop. And, and, and I didn't know where this person was spiritually. I didn't know what they were walking through spiritually at the time. And they were, this is a high level business person. And, 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 I, and I just felt like I was supposed to go there with this person. I said, hey, man, we talked a lot about business. We've talked a lot about, and this person, he, I mean, works with, with billionaires. I mean, ha, has mentors that are multiple billionaires uh, that, that mentor this business person. And he's a very impressive person. And I said to him, look, I said, I, we've talked a lot about business, but I need to ask you a question. I said, where are you spiritually? How are you doing spiritually? You're doing great things in business, but how are you doing spiritually? And I got to watch him just kind of, Take a moment and say, man, that's really what I want. That's what I wanted to talk to you about today. We had talked for an hour and a half and it wasn't even the subject he wanted to approach, but he didn't know how to approach it. And I had to be willing to say, come on, where are you on this? See, we've got to be willing to step out a little bit and get outside of our comfort zone, be willing to risk a little bit that somebody may, you may get rejected. You may have someone that closes a door off, but guess what? If you just keep loving them, that door will open up at some point. But I got to sit there in a coffee shop and hold hands with this business guy and pray in front of everybody. Not loud, not obnoxious, but we prayed together at the table because that's what we're supposed to do, guys. It's not supposed to be a secret. It's not supposed to be this private relationship we have. If the disciples had kept it private, none of us would have ever met Jesus. It's a public relationship with the creator of the universe. It has private components, but it's supposed to be for public consumption. We've got to look for times to grow. And number three, I basically hit step out and be bold. Step out and be bold. Just, just look for chances and be bold enough to step into them. Can I pray with you? Can I share with you what I feel? Can I tell you what I see in you? That's one of the greatest ways just, just that I've learned to be able to open a door to start prophesying over someone in public is, is I say, can I tell you what I see in you? I, I literally say this, I have a special gift. My gift is to see greatness in people and to call it out and to draw it out. Can I, can, I, can I tell you what I see in you? You would be shocked. I've never gotten a no. 
I've been in businesses all over the city, different parts of the, of the United States, dealing with high-level people, and I've never gotten a no. Every single person wants to know what's good about them. And they have no idea that I'm about to tell them what the Holy Spirit's showing me. I'm about to prophesy over them. They don't know it because I'm not doing it in a weird, spooky way. It doesn't have to be spooky to be Jesus. Okay? You can just talk. It's amazing. You can talk in normal language. You don't have to use weird language to be, to, to, to be powerful in the Holy Spirit. But people want, come on, the world is so hungry for what you have. They're so hungry for what you have. And we've just got, we just got to be willing to glow. Amen? I pray for you today. Father, I thank you for your people called by your name, people that you love, that are yours. Father, you made them to radiate your glory. They're made of the material that radiates the essence of who you are. And you've hidden the power of your excellence inside of earthen vessels, flawed, cracked, unfinished, unpolished vessels so that no one would think it was us. They would know it was you. You're so good. Father, empower your people to shine for you, to glow for you. Draw us in. Help these individuals here today to make a covenant, to make a commitment, to, to make an agreement with you that they would position themselves in your presence on a daily basis just to soak up the radiance of your glory so that they could go out into the world and they could face down darkness. We are not afraid of the dark. We are not afraid of the dark. We were born for adversity. We were born to shine. A city on a hill, the light of the world shines inside of our hearts. If there's anybody here today that you need to get your life right with God, this is your moment. Do not leave this room. Do not leave this place. Don't get in your car and drive off to lunch and say, I'll deal with this later. Make the decision today. Make the decision today. I'm getting right with God. I'm asking Jesus to be Lord of my life. Whether it's the very first time or you're coming back to him, do not miss this moment right now. Pray with me right now, wherever you are. Say, Father... This is my moment. I'm saying yes to you. Come into my life. Forgive me for my sins. I believe in you, Jesus. That you rose from the dead. Today I make you my Lord. I will live for you. Holy Spirit, come inside of me. Fill me with power. With gifts of the Spirit. So that I can glow. I can shine. Be a light in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.